How are you this morning? Fantastic. If you are new here, we are glad you are here. My name is Ryan, and I'm your pastor, and this is what we call our faith candle. We light it every time we hear a story from someone coming to the chapel, one of the ministries, making a first-time decision to follow Jesus. Last week, we had one adult, and this is one of my favorite stories. It's when God does things on his own timing, in his own way, and, and she was singing to Jesus, and she felt like God came upon her, and she walked down to the lobby, and she said, Pastor Ryan, I don't know what happened, but I feel like God loves me with this overwhelming love. I feel like a brand new person. And the next morning, they wrote me on Facebook and said, hey, how are you doing? And she said, I still feel like a brand new person. It's like everything is new, and I could see things I didn't see. And I, I said, man, I think they call that new birth. And she was into it, so we lit the candle for her, and one student on our Wednesday Night Glow program made a first-time decision to follow Jesus, so let's praise God for that. Yeah. So cool, man. So I love it when, when God's like, Ryan, I don't need you, I don't need anything, I'm just going to do what I'm going to do, and I, I just love seeing God do that, and I love lighting that candle, uh, because that means people's lives are getting changed. So let's pray as we jump into God's Word. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 5. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and flip to Galatians chapter 5. If you don't own a Bible, we're running thin in the back there, or you can get a fake Bible on your phone to love Jesus through fake Bibles, and I'm okay with either one of those. And as you flip there, I will pray for us this morning. Father, I love you, and I love your Word. Lord, we have gathered here this morning to hear your voice to us. God, we are exhausted people. We are tired. The world is breaking many of us down through illness, through tough relationships, through having kids running around our house. God, there's so much that bombards us. We need to hear your good news this morning, your great news this morning. God, you know this week I've just been sick and tired of average news sermons. God, I've prepared, I've set the wood, only you can send the fire, and I pray that you would do that in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 5. Man, some of you today, some of you sinner types like me, I'm a sinner that's saved by Jesus, you're going to feel really good today, I think. You're going to be able to exhale a sigh of relief, and you're going to find freedom uh, because in this passage, in Galatians chapter 5, we're going to talk about circumcision. Okay. I bet no one saw that one coming. <laughs> I bet no And you're wondering, what in the world does this have to do with the Holy Spirit? Because we're in this series on the Holy Spirit, and we've talked about the presence of the Spirit. We've talked about the adoption of the Spirit. We've talked about the spiritual gifts. And I wanted to get to the fruit of the Spirit today, but as I read, as I studied and prayed, I thought, man... So often in church Bible studies, so often in sermons, I hear preachers go right for the fruit of the Spirit, and they don't preach the part before that in Galatians chapter 5, and I think that really frames up the fruit of the Spirit incorrectly. I think we've got to understand what Paul's doing in the book of Galatians for the fruit of the Spirit, which we're going to dive into next week, for that to make sense ultimately. And right before the fruit of the Spirit, we get to this passage about circumcision. I have to drink water because it's my least favorite topic to talk about. So let's read, and it'll all make sense, I promise. <clears throat> Verse uh, 1 of chapter 5. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision... 
Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Let's stop there. Because we haven't been in Galatians, some of you might not be familiar with the book of Galatians. I believe that in our day and age, this little six-chapter book is the most important letter that we have in the New Testament because the Galatian church was doing what the American church, I think, at large has sort of bought into, including myself. So we're going to use some terms today, and I want to make sure we're all on the same page. One is the term religious. And when I use the term religious, I'm using it in the negative sense of people who view spirituality as sort of a checklist. You say, okay, if I check these boxes, God loves me. Anytime I miss checking a box, that's when God's mad at me, wants to smite me and grind me into dust. Okay, maybe you're not that extreme. I'm that extreme. Now, when I was growing up, many of you know I didn't grow up in the church. I was what you would call a heathen or a pagan or just a regular jock, whatever you want to prefer to call that realm of human. And God snatched me up because he drew me to youth group uh, with a girl as he baits many of us young men into youth group. My friend said, hey, you like this girl? I said, yes. How do I meet her? And he said, she goes to my youth group, come to my youth group. And that's, everyone gets to Jesus that way when they're like 18, 19. They just suck you in, college group, youth group. So I went, and I didn't even see the girl. I was like, who's, what girl, what? Like, who's this Jesus guy? Tell me about him. So I went from this uh, fiend of a human, just outright sinful, explicitly to being saved and then I got pumped up for Jesus I wanted to tell everyone about Jesus I told my friends no one wanted to listen I told the Christians they didn't believe me they thought I was praying a, playing a prank on them that I was being a fake Christian just to get in and infiltrate their group finally they let me in and then the weirdest thing happened I went from being extremely irreligious and just doing whatever I wanted and the pendulum swung and I became what the Bible calls a Pharisee I became self-righteous I begin to think, well, I can do all of, all of this. Jesus saved me, but then I've gotten better. I don't need as much Jesus now because, because now I know the words to the songs. Yes, yes, I was a sinner, but now I'm pretty good. Like, I don't drink anymore. I don't chase girls anymore. I stopped doing drugs. Like, this is pretty good, right? And so often we think that that's all that Christianity is about. We think that Christianity is about being good. And so much so that I, I polled a bunch of my friends and family uh, and my Facebook acquaintances this week, because I just wanted to get an honest answer from people. So I just said, what is the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear the word Christian? And I asked non-Christians, I asked Christians, new Christians, I asked old seasoned Christians. So here's what a few of the people said. Uh, the, first, I'll go with the definition. The definition that Google gives you is the religion based on the person and teachings of Jesus of Nazareth or its beliefs. I had one person say, Christianity is mysterious, full of imagination and wonder, communion. And then he kept writing and said, angst and anxiety, guilt-driven, lonely, and tiresome. Man. One person, a few people said church. One person said love. A handful of people said that there were certain people, when they thought of Christianity, there were people in their life, they thought this person or that person. One person said, or a few people said, a bunch of hypocrites in varying language and terminology. And then the last one that I got most recently was uh, from someone I deeply care about. He said, honestly, I think of people trying to force their views onto others. That's my instant reaction. 
I think the golden rule is the most important thing in life, and Christianity often doesn't follow it. Talk about a dagger in the heart. And here's where I think we've gone wrong. We've fallen into the Galatians trap of thinking that we can actually do this thing on our own. And I promise you that we cannot. Jesus didn't come to enslave you to morality. That's not his mission statement. Jesus didn't come so that you could be a good person. He did not say that. He didn't come to say, I've come to make you good people. He said from his mouth to your ears, I have come to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed. He came to set you free, and it seems as though we've taken that message and say, you're free. Now be in bondage to our rules, checklists, and bubbles and never get out of them. It seems that we don't want to embrace that freedom, and I'll tell you why. It's terrifying. It's terrifyingly, uh, it's terrifying for clergy because that means if you're actually free, I can't use guilt and shame to get you to give more money, to spend more time, to volunteer more hours. It means that if you're actually free in Jesus, you don't have to come here. There's no control. It's all about God's one-way love to you and his forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Thank you, Baptists. 2 Corinthians 3 says, now the Lord is spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is. Thank you, Pentecostals. In Galatians chapters 1 to 4, Paul is saying, if someone comes and preaches a different gospel than this gospel of freedom, gospel means good news, let them be accursed. That's Galatians 1, 6, I think. Let them be accursed. If they come say anything different than Jesus died for your sins, it's only in Jesus, let them be cursed. Really, the Bible says, I think that translation, you could say, to hell with them. And, but it, because a bunch of old white scholars translate the Bible, they blush it out of there because they're scared of, of translating the Greek, I guess. But, but Paul is fired up. Because here's what had happened. He said, grace, you're saved by grace, God's free favor. And then some Jews came in and they said, okay, wait, wait, hold up in this grace talk. I need you to know that if you're going to really follow Jesus, there's some rules that have to be done. That whole circumcision thing, not exempt. And if you're a Gentile who hadn't been circumcised, I mean, I don't know about the rest of the men in this room, but the religious commitment to get circumcised into your 30s and 40s is pretty steep. I'm just saying. And Paul comes in and he wants to say, look, that's not the gospel I shared with you. In Galatians 1 to 4, it's all about what you are freed from. You are freed from the pressures of religion. You are freed from the need to be good, to find approval, to find success, to achieve things in your own strength. You're freed from all that by the power of Jesus. And then in Galatians 5, he's going to tell you what you are freed for, what you are freed to do, how you are free to live. And as we read that verse, it seems so weird to talk about circumcision. But what I want you to do is just, you could almost swap the, the circumcision phrase for to-do list Christianity. You could say, okay, I'm going to take out circumcision, and that's their, that was their version of religious to-do lists. That was their version of, if you want to be a real believer, you have to do A, B, C, D, and E. Now, I'm just going to do a quick survey. You don't have to raise your hand if you don't trust me yet. I'm totally okay with that. How many of you feel like there are things that you have to do in order to be loved by God? Like, does anyone feel better when they read their Bible? You read your Bible, God loves you a little bit more. I'm just going to raise my own hand. 
or when you pray more for one day. I mean, there have been days where I prayed so much, I literally got up and thought, God must love me more. And I, I wouldn't tell you that if I weren't pretty secure that I'm such a sinner that Jesus has to wash over multitudes of sins. Or have you ever had that sense where if you don't attend church and that's the day your, your tire goes flat in your car, you think, God did that to me for ditching church today. Nobody thinks that. It's such a, a lie. And Jesus still loves you. It's okay. Because he, here's what's at the heart of it. Paul says, if Christ set you free, do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. The Jewish people were under a yoke of slavery, religious burdens, that they had to follow all these rules in order for them to feel approved by God. And I want you to know that what I say up here when I tell you that you are far more wicked and wretched than you know and, or can imagine, and that's really good news. Because the more we can get to that place where we say, I am a sinner saved by Jesus, the more free you can become from religion. The more free you can walk and breathe easy. It is so much easier. When I went from being um, that pagan kid to a Christian to a self-righteous youth pastor, man, people would come up to me and confront me of sin all the time. And just in case you're wondering, I'm talking this fast with only one cup of coffee. If I have my normal 7 to 15 cups of coffee, you cannot keep up with the words coming out of my mouth. And I could, I could talk circles around most things just because my brain fires like that. Ooh, like that. But as a young self-righteous youth pastor, people would come and say, hey, Ryan, you're, I, th I think you're struggling with pride. And I'd say, well, I think you're struggling with pride. And they said, no, no, I mean, I see you up there worshiping and, and you're singing the songs and sometimes I feel like you're raising your hands, but you're not really worshiping God. You're trying to get people to see you. And I'm like, well, you saw me. Maybe you're not paying attention to God. You're paying attention to me, sinner. And, and I would do that. I was rude and mean and self-righteous. You, you could not believe it. Ask my wife. You can't get around a conversation with me. I will win. My wife and my mother both know. Just walk away and say, you've lost. You just don't know it yet. And they just do that. And then all of a sudden something happened. Um, I started to realize that, that I had needed Jesus in the beginning and I had walked away from Jesus and I had accepted the Galatian fault, that there's a set of rules that I can obey and if I obey those, then I'm loved by God, approved by God, accepted by God. But Paul is relentless in the book of Galatians. If you have your bulletins, the reading plan just takes you through that book this week. He is relentlessly saying there is nothing that you can do to earn God's love. Jesus did it for you. And until you get that, you'll be trapped in one extreme or the other. So now when people confront me, it's still taking some time. God's shaving the edges off of me. But now when people say, you know, Pastor Ryan, I think you, you've been sinning in this way. And I'll say, well, you don't even know the half of it. You think that's bad? I see that sin and I raise you ten more just in the last five minutes. And then they say, well, are, are you sure that you're... You're uh, worthy? Are you, are you good enough to be a pastor? Absolutely not. I ask Jesus all the time, get me out of this job. I am not worthy to stand up here. Are you worthy to call yourself a Christian father? Six days out of seven? No. Like, I am grumpy. I can be lazy. And you're all thinking, well, geez, aren't you my pastor? Shouldn't you set a good example? No. Because I am not your savior. Jesus is your savior. 
And, and I'm just telling you. And this is the only example I can give you. I am such a wretched sinner, saved from so many sins, that I run to Jesus daily, and I want to extend that to everyone that I come in contact with. Because there's so many people that have fallen into this checklist Christianity. People honestly think that God loves you by your doing and not by Christ's done. And that's when he said, it is finished. He meant it is finished. He didn't mean, I'm going to finish it later. When he was on the cross, he said, all of your sin, I'm working on it. It's going to take a few thousand years. He said, done, over, I've taken it. And we say, thanks for that. Let me keep working on it. Let me check the religious boxes. Through the Spirit, we eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus... Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, neither hyper-religiosity nor following your own rules counts for anything. Only faith working through love. This is an era of self-help. Man, do we love self-help books. One of the things I've always had with self-help, one of the beefs I've had, is that we get ourselves into the mess of life where nothing's going right, where we're stinking at our job, we're the worst spouse on the planet, we're not a great parent. So what do we do? We turn to self-help. And I've always been bewildered by this because it was myself that got me into the mess. So now I'm saying, okay, self, we got ourselves in here. Let's get ourselves out of here. It's like when I was a child, my Uncle John dug this giant mud pit in his backyard. And we jumped in, me and my cousins, we were just slinging mud. We were kids, so young, seven, eight, nine years old, just a bunch of naked, muddy kids running around a backyard. You could do that back then. And we got out of this mud pit, and my Uncle John's sense of humor, go clean yourselves off, you guys, with just the mud pit water. So we had our muddy hands, our muddy face, our muddy legs, our muddy body, and we just did this. And guess what I still was? Muddy. It didn't matter what happened. We were trying to get it out of our hair. We might have less mud or styled mud or better looking mud, but you cannot get the mud off of you if you've been playing in a mud pit for over an hour. It's just in places you couldn't imagine. What we needed was somebody who was not muddy to bring over a hose and spray us down. And I'm gonna let you know, in California, the water is not always warm. And he sprayed us down and it was cold. But for the first time, the mud began to get washed away. I couldn't grab the hose because I would have dragged it right through the mud pit. I was sitting in the mud pit. It took someone else that was clean to come in and clean us off. And that's what Jesus does with us. But so often, we're so happy. We love our mud pit that we say, no, just wait, Jesus. If I just take this mud, then I'll be all good. Wait, no, Jesus. I'm just going to go from this mud pit to this other one. Because this mud pit, you know, these church people in this mud pit, they're hypocrites. So I'm going to go to this mud pit where they really have it together. I mean, they read their Bible, they pray, they have small groups, they're on committees. If I go on that mud pit, maybe then I'll be saved. And Jesus says over and over again, and Paul says over and over again, it doesn't matter where you are, it doesn't matter what you're doing, it matters whose you are and what he did for you. And that's why he's relentlessly coming after this. Let's keep reading verse 7. Paul tells the Galatian church, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth, the truth of salvation by grace? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view than mine, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? Let's stop right there. 
I got a weird noise coming out of here at me, buddy. I'll let it go, though. Uh, Paul is saying, whoever's doing this to you, whoever's preaching a false gospel to you, whoever is telling you that you've got to add something to Jesus, they're going to have a penalty. I've been on staff at a lot of churches, and, uh, and one of the things that I, it's a pet peeve, it gets under my skin, because I'm a sinner and I need Jesus every day, is when we're at staff meetings, hasn't happened here, and people say, yes, it's Jesus, but we also should do this, this, and this, and this. Or yes, we are saved by grace, but we also have to be good people. Or yes, we're, we're saved, and it's by faith through grace, but if you don't read your Bible, then how will you know how you're saved? This is called the grace but syndrome. I don't like the grace but syndrome. And I'm meaning it with both T's, in case you're wondering which one I'm referring to. I just don't like it. Because if you take Jesus plus anything, you're stuck in religion. This is the math formula for those of you who struggle with common core. Jesus plus nothing equals everything you need. Everything you need for salvation, everything you need for spiritual growth. The way to grow is not to start with Jesus and then move on from Jesus. The way to grow is to come to the spirit of freedom and say, Holy Spirit, I don't focus enough on Jesus. I focus too much on myself, which is why in verse 6 it says, when the spirit of freedom comes upon you, when you stop looking at to-do lists and start looking at Jesus as to done, then at that moment you will finally find freedom to express love outward. What, when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment, what did he say? Love God and love your neighbors, love others. Those are two outward things. Love God, love others. Love vertical, love horizontal. You know why Jesus said that? Because he knows that most of us are stuck loving inward first. He knows it. We are so consumed with ourselves. I am so consumed with myself. I get up in the morning, I look in the mirror, I see if my hairline's receding, I take a shower, I look at my kids, I eat breakfast, drink coffee, kiss my wife, say goodbye. Just in that, what I would say is a fairly non-sinful event, I'm sure I've sinned at least 300 times, thinking more highly of myself. Aren't you a good-looking 34-year-old man? Looking at my wife, man, God blessed me and not the other guys. Looking at my kids, I'm so glad they're so obedient. One of those was a lie and two were not. <laughs> what happens is we get stuck forgetting that the love that's outward can't come from within us. We have to be given that love. That spirit of God has to come through us and fuel us to love out. It is only when we do that in freedom that we can finally, when we, when we taste the freedom that we can finally love outward. Because here's the reality. So many of us are stuck in this cycle of wanting the love and approval of other people. It's just a reality of human sin condition. We cannot stop wanting to get love from other people. We cannot stop wanting to be approved of by our boss. We cannot stop wanting other people to think that we are better than we actually are. We've talked about it with so many instances, whether it's the crying kid at the restaurant that I've shared with you. My kids can cry at a level eight out of 10 at home, and I'm like, it's all good, you guys are sinners, you need Jesus. We go to a restaurant, they cry at a four level, and I'm like, stop hither, you sinners. Come quiet, and I'll c cover their mouth, I'll stuff a napkin, I don't do that. But I mean, I, I will try to rein them in. 
Or sometimes at, at jobs when we want to be thought of as better than we are, whether you work in some industry that has reports or whatever it is. Man, I remember working in pharmaceuticals. That is one of the craziest jobs you could ever imagine. Nobody, nobody was holding anything accountable. I could push a card around, and I did this for a half a day just to see if I could get away with it. I'm just going to push a card around and have my Bluetooth on and say things to thin air just to see what would happen. Hey, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll get that report right over there. Four hours later, man, this report just needs to get over there. And everyone's like, oh, Ryan's such a hard worker. He's just doing reports all day long. I was doing a report on A, being a sinful employee, and B, wanting just to see if I could be thought of as more busy, be thought of as a hard worker. So many of us are stuck in that mode. And I want to tell you now that in Jesus Christ, you are loved to the maximum extent that you could be loved by any being throughout all time. There is no approval higher than that one. And right now, you may not believe it, but I'm going to tell you this. You are a saint if you're in Jesus Christ. You're a child of God, and he looks down at you, and he says, I love you. I died for you. Nothing can separate you from my love. And if you don't know that verse, there's no height, no depths, no angels, no demons, no spiritual powers. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Not even your self-righteous, religious, to-do list life could separate you from God's love. The thing that can distract you is when you begin treating Christianity like a set of rules rather than a human being compiled with God who loved you and died for you. I love that Paul says in verse 13, you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. In a few verses up from that, he had said uh, that people had fallen away from grace. When you think of people who fall, fell away from grace, what do you first think of? What type of sins are we talking about? Someone fell away from grace. What do you think of? What kind of sins are they doing? I'll wait. It's okay. This is a... Infidelity, right? So like, dude, if, if you have a wife and, and number one dude says, thanks wife, I'm choosing a mistress... That's falling away from grace. There's literally like 37 million people who registered for Ashley Madison, that website, who are just terrified right now because they think that they're falling away from grace. But in this context, it's actually not that. It's not infidelity. It's not having sex before marriage. It's not getting drunk. It's not getting high. It's not beating people up. When Paul talks about falling away from grace, when talk, Paul talks about the yoke of slavery, he's not talking about people who run from Jesus He's talking about people in the church who try to control Jesus. He's talking about people who say, I'm all in. So much so that I've read my Bible reading plan, I've prayed my prayers, I've joined my groups, I've been on my committees, I've sang, I've done everything, and because of all that, Jesus loves me. They forget and they don't know that Jesus loved them before they started that self-righteous tear. I forget it all the time. And I don't want to use my freedom as an opportunity for my flesh. I don't want to say, now that I'm free, let's just go sin wild. And that's the accusation that I've been given a lot of times. Ryan, if you keep talking about grace, if you keep hitting grace, people are going to sin like wildfire. Fortunately, I've never seen that happen. I love love. And the thing about loving relationships between humans is that when you are loved and by a, another person and you love them, you want to please them, you want to enjoy them, you want to encourage them. 
And that's what it's like with God. Many of you believe and feel like God is giving you marching orders, but Christianity is not marching orders. Christianity is a dance, and God loves you and wants to dance with you. Many of you feel like Christianity is a faraway God, and you're just a small person down here. I want you to know that he is a loving father, and by the power of his spirit, you are his adopted child. Many of you say, how does that work, Ryan? How do I, how do I have all this freedom and not sin? If you still love your spouse, hopefully you do. If you don't, give me a call. We'll do some counseling or hook you up with somebody. If you still love your spouse, you want to be good to them. By the grace of God, most days, I still want to be kind to my wife because I love her and she loves me. I don't, I don't take the freedom that she's given me. She, she doesn't check in on me. She's not following my schedule around. I don't take that freedom and say, well, my wife's not looking at my calendar. What am I going to do? Let's just go sin against her. Like, that's not my default mode because I love her and she loves me. I want to please her the same way with God. If, if you're not in love with God, if God to you is just a set of rules, you're going to walk away and fail every time. But as soon as your heart is gripped by God, as soon as you're melted by his overwhelming love for you that while you were yet a sinner, he died for you, as soon as that grabs you, the flesh stuff, the sin stuff, that all begins to fade away. There's this old song I love, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus so that the world will grow strangely dim. People ask me often, how do I overcome this sin? How do I overcome that sin? And I tell them, turn your eyes upon Jesus. And they, they often don't get it at first until finally I, I make it more practical. And I've said this before. You struggle with a sin. When you're about to do that sin, stare that sin straight in the eye and say, thank you, Jesus, for dying for this sin that I'm about to commit. Whether it's lust, whether it's cheating, whether it's lying, you're about to lie at work, you say, God, I thank you so much that Jesus died for this lie that I'm about to tell my boss. And I know what some of you are thinking who are new and haven't heard that. You're thinking, well, if I say that prayer out loud, I won't do the sin. Well, that's the point, right? If I'm saying that prayer out loud when I'm looking at the computer screen, then I won't do that sin. Well, that's the point. I'll tell you what doesn't work. Accountability work, uh, accountability groups, those rarely work. And I know they're good. I think that they're good to be in that type of group where you have a close brotherhood or sisterhood with people. But I've been in so many accountability groups that went like this. We meet up. Hey, did you sin this week? Yeah, man, I sinned big time. Oh, me too, 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 me too. It was like an Indian song, to me too. And, uh, and we look at each other and we say, well, let's pray for forgiveness. Jesus, forgive us. We've, we've shared it, so now you love us again, right? And it, what happened over the weeks and months that we would meet, all of a sudden, we stopped looking to Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins, and we started thinking that if we confessed to some other sinful teenage boy, that then our sin would be forgiven. So then we said, Jesus, you're good and all, but if I just confess to this little punk who's struggling with the same thing as me, then all is good. And we sub out the Savior of the universe for some guy who couldn't even pass algebra in the ninth grade. And and you think, like, it's not just youth group. Like, we do that nowadays. We do that in Bible studies. And we put up our shiny best, realizing that God doesn't love the shiny best. He loves the shiny worst. He doesn't look for the shiny pennies that someone dropped. He looks for the grungy nickels that are hidden under the tire that fell in mud and grease. And he says, this is the one I love because that one says Ryan Tyrona on it. And that one has your name on it. When we go to our groups this week, when you go home tonight, 
give up the religious facade. Put away the checklist and say, God, I need you to love me like a dad. I need you to grow within me so that I can love you and fix my eyes upon you. That will be our prayer. Let's pray as we close. Father, you're so good to us. I am in desperate need of your salvation every day. I trust in your word that I'm forgiven when I feel unforgivable. I trust in your word that I'm loved even when I'm unlovable. I trust in your word that in Jesus Christ, everyone in here that is in him is accepted even though they're unacceptable. God, I thank you that the church is the only club for which the entrance fee is unqualified people. And we're the only club for, for which the staying fee is staying unqualified and dependent on your son Jesus. God, I, I just am so tired of the game so often of trying to pretend to be someone I'm not. I thank you for your freedom. In Jesus' name, amen.